Hello there, Marketing Sweats fans. Misty here. Thanks for joining me for another episode of season eight. I'm super excited about this season because all of my guests are local leaders in the Peoria area. We're talking about an initiative that's near and dear to all of us called Choose Greater Peoria. It's a unified effort to promote the Peoria area and help our businesses and our people thrive long-term. My guest today is Chris Setti. Chris is the CEO of the Greater Peoria Economic Development Council that helps drive economic success in a five-county region of central Illinois. Although he's not actually a Peoria native, you'd never know it. He's been an outspoken advocate for the Peoria area for years. Prior to joining the EDC in 2018, he spent 12 years with the city of Peoria, where he served in a variety of roles, including director of economic development and assistant city manager. So it's no surprise that he's been a key player in the Choose Greater Peoria movement. In this episode, Chris explains the inner workings that have helped this all come together. You'll hear how area leaders are working to drive strategic priorities and the impact that having many of our region's leaders serve in multiple capacities is having on the connectivity of ideas. You'll also learn more about the unique purpose of the major organizations involved and the key roles and responsibilities of each. So let's dig in and talk about the teamwork behind the Choose Greater Peoria movement. Okay, Marketing Sweats fans, it's Misty here. I am so excited to have Chris Setti, the CEO of the Greater Peoria Economic Development Council with me today. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you. Me too. I'm, I'm excited to have the conversation. Awesome. Well, I know you and I have done a couple media events together on this topic and it's been fun. You're really good at this. You can tell that you're media trained and you know all the things to say. So I'm excited to have everybody listen to your story today. Great. Talk a little bit as we get started about your background. I would like to know your story, how you came up in the world, and then ultimately how you got to Peoria. Yeah. So I am a transplant, although I've been here longer than I've been anywhere else, including where I was born. But I'm actually from the Los Angeles suburbs. I'm from a town that everybody kind of knows now, Burbank, which is where a lot of things are filmed. Sure. Although when I was a kid, it was a less interesting place to live. It was a factory town. Lockheed Martin was the big employer in in Burbank. There were some of the studios, but but now they're everywhere. It's the identity of that community. But so I grew up in Burbank, California, but went to school in the Midwest. So I went to the University of Notre Dame. Okay. I almost always get the question, well, how does a kid from yeah. Southern California get to Peoria? Right. So the first part of that is just getting to the Midwest. Yeah. So I went to the University of Notre Dame and studied political science because beer drinking wasn't a major. <laughs> uh, and so I had to major in something. And sure. so political science was something I was, I was just very interested in and public policy. And then spent about 10 years after college working in social services. I I did a volunteer year through the Catholic Church first okay. uh, at a homeless services organization in okay. Chicago. So I get, I'm getting closer to Peoria, right? With So I'm in South Bend and then I'm in Chicago and then worked in youth services for about eight years. Okay. That job, actually, was, that's where I met my, actually, I met my wife working at the Community Emergency Shelter Organization. She's from Peoria. So if you want uh, the short story of how it. I'm in Peoria, it's because I married a girl from Peoria. Peoria. Yeah. So we started dating. We got married and, and my job, actually, I had an opportunity to move to Denver to be the, the head of our Rocky Mountain office okay. of this national nonprofit organization that worked with at-risk youth and young adults. And so we had just gotten married and like four months after, you know, tying the knot, picked up, put everything in a van and moved to Denver and lived there for four years. Wow. Um, and it was great. And I love Denver. It's probably got the greatest climate in the world right. in terms of still having seasons, but never like anything very harsh. Sure. And we had our first daughter there. But when Kate was two, we just decided that we needed to be closer to family. 
And to be honest, it it didn't make a lot of sense financially. We were both in social work to move to Los Angeles, which is even this was 20 years ago was insane then. It's even more insane now. And so the pull of Peoria, real to us, and allowed us to move. I actually was able to keep my job with that company. I was a national director by that point and was able to move here. So I was a remote worker before remote working was cool. So this was 20 years ago. So we moved here. So I actually, I grew up in California, but I only really lived there for 18 years. I've just celebrated my 20-year anniversary in Peoria just two or three weeks ago, August 3rd. So we've really, really loved living in Peoria. So I ended up going to work for the city of Peoria about 18 years ago when I left the company that I had transitioned here because of, or was able to transition here because of that job, not for that job. And worked for the city of Peoria for 12 years. I I started as an economic development specialist. I didn't know anything about economic development. Some might argue I still don't, but (laughs) I didn't know anything really about economic development. I happened to have my master's in public administration, which I had gotten when I was in Denver, with no intention whatsoever of going into municipal government, but then had a really, I think, great career for 12 years at the city of Peoria, finished as their assistant city manager. Right. And director of economic development. But the thing I really loved about the job was the director of economic development part yeah. and less so the assistant city manager <laughs> part. I have a lot of respect for Patrick and, and city manager. And then so for the last six years have been at the Greater Peoria Economic Development Council. That's such a cool story. I love it. So many similarities to other transplant stories, mm-hmm. right? About why people come back here to be with family. and Right. But I will say that, I mean, obviously the family was a big part, right? We just didn't kind of circle Peoria on a map. And although a lot of people do do that because of the work that you and others and we're doing, it was obviously family. But I kind of instantly fell in love with Peoria. And I had really never been here. Like, we were dating and we'd come down, but we sure. would never actually do anything that was right. fun. We would just like hang out with the in-laws. Sure. Once I remember going cosmic bowling at Mount Holly. I remember <laughs> that once. And once I went to the River Station restaurant. Those are the only two memories I have of Peoria. Iconic places, And right? then some stuff on the river because my father-in-law had a boat. You know, so I really didn't have a, a real Peoria experience right. uh, other than being around family. And I love them dearly, but right. they hang out with your in-laws. Isn't right. it? But kind of have instantly f- fell in love with Peoria. We live in the Uplands neighborhood, which is right by Bradley University in a house that was built in 1907 mm-hmm. in the best neighborhood in America and just have really loved it ever since. That's so great. So I want to circle back. So tell me a little bit about this master's in public administration. I don't know what, what made you do that and what was it in you that made you want to go into that kind of work? I'm sure there. I could tell you a really noble story about all of this. I was looking when I did my year of service, part of it was through America. AmeriCorps, and I'd had a grant uh, for further education. It wasn't a lot. It was like $5,000, but I had to spend it. It wasn't 5,000 cash. It was 5,000 tours. So I was looking for a master's program, and my only real interests were that I didn't want to take a test to get into it or out of it. So kind of the laziness of college still coming through, but I was really interested in nonprofit management at the time, and Mm -hmm. a master's in public administration, which often is joked, it's an MBA for people with a conscience, (laughs) was a really great option in the university. University of Denver, the University of Colorado, Denver had a program that was basically a night and online class. And I had a little kid and I was traveling for work at the time. So it really fit in. The idea was to give me the kind of skills that would make me a better executive director of a nonprofit organization. I mean, my wife says, although I don't remember this, that I said to her, I don't ever want to go to work for the government. And then I ended up working for the government for a dozen years. <laughs> and so, you speak so highly of that experience. I do. It was, and it's great. You know, public service, I think, is is a calling. And I remember a good friend of mine once said, there's two types of people that work for government. There's public servants and there's public employees, and you want to be a public servant. And I was surrounded by public servants when I worked at the city and even at GPDC, which is kind of quasi-governmental 
I'm amazed at the dedication of people who could make a lot more money sure. uh, in the corporate world than they do in public service. And, and it's been a blessing of my life to have kind of stumbled into a career I didn't really even know existed yeah. when I was 18. I know. You've told me that story a lot. And I appreciate your style of leadership. You always talk about how, you know, you don't have to be the front of the room guy. You want to execute. You want to react to things. But tell us a little bit about the role that you played with Patrick and the economic development passion you developed there and how you you ended up moving on to take this new role. Yeah, you know, uh, so I started with economic development and worked under a guy named Craig Hollinger, who was the city's director of economic development at the time. And Craig's philosophy was the Daniel Burnham philosophy, which was make no small plans because they will not move men's souls, okay. right? So Daniel Burnham was the city planner for the city of Chicago. And so this idea of make no small plans, right? And right. so Craig was the crazy idea guy and he was a little nuts. Maybe I'll send this to him <laughs> afterwards. But I really got to learn from him about economic development and, and what all that meant and what I loved about economic development. I never thought I'd be a salesman. And it's really a sales job. It's a lot about recognizing your assets as a community or whatever it is. It's not unlike things you have to do at Symantle or elsewhere, right? You have to be able to articulate what you've got to offer right. in a way that makes somebody else recognize they might need it or yeah. it might fit their need. And I it kind of unlocked something in me and in my professional career that I just really enjoyed. I enjoyed meeting with businesses. I really enjoyed solving problems. Sure. Economic development is kind of a wild card within the city, right? We have no regulatory powers. And so we're not the planning group or the building inspectors or the police or the fire that have kind of rules that they have to play by. Right. Not that we were lawless in economic development. Sure. But our job was to help things move along. Right. And I, I really prided myself on building relationships within the community and within the city so that when people would call our department and ask for things or say, hey, I've got a problem here, that we could help them solve it because then they come back to you or they tell other people. And trying to beat back this notion that the city is hard to do business with, which was absolutely not true. Mm -hmm. And so over the course of those 12 years, I had a couple of different jobs. I was a Six Sigma black belt. Caterpillar wanted the city to take advantage of the black belt, Six Sigma black belt okay. movement that sure. was happening. And so they paid for city staff to become black belts. And they were going to do four I was one of the first two. And then there was leadership changes at Caterpillar and there's leadership changes at the city of Peoria and it kind of went away, but that gave me some training and worked a lot of interdepartmental projects. And then a gentleman named Henry Holling became the interim city manager when they fired the last city manager. And I just became Henry's assistant, really. Okay. And he ended up being the interim for 17 months and worked alongside him. And then the next city manager and Henry again, and then Patrick, when he came on, he had been the county administrator, Peoria okay. County administrator. So I'd kind of known him. He actually lived in my neighborhood. We've right. been friends and got to work with him for six years. And he named me the assistant city manager and then asked me to take over economic development that had kind of bounced around in the organizational structure. And again, it was just awesome. I got a lot of the warehouse district is what I got to work on. Cool. So I go to Zion Coffee all the time because right. I remember what it was before it was Zion Coffee. Yeah. And some of the, you know, where Sugar and some of those really great buildings were projects I got to work on. Sure. And it was very tactile. And I loved that. I loved going to Obed and Isaacs and remembering what it was before it was Obed and Isaacs. And so that was really great. The opportunity with GPDC came along and I kind of quickly recognized that what I loved was economic development. Right. What I didn't so much love was the idea of being a city manager. Yeah, that makes sense. And But I also loved Peoria. Right. And so this was an opportunity to do the thing I loved in the community I loved. And so took the position at GPDC to kind of further that side of my career. Absolutely. 
Well, for those folks listening who maybe don't know what GPEDC is or its history or background and what you're doing with it today, give us the overview. Yeah, thank you. So it's a really, I mean, I'm paid to say this too. It's a great organization and it's been a blast to lead it. I have just a wonderful staff. The EDC has been around actually since 1982. We just celebrated our 40-year anniversary last year. So actually it was sometime in August. So we're like 41 years old now. And it's been around in a variety of contexts and other names. Actually, our incorporated name is the EDC, comma, the Economic Development Council of the Peoria area, which doesn't even fit on most standard (laughs) forms. So it usually lops off after Peoria. So it's the Peoria blank after that. But we were reincarnated as the as the Greater Peoria Economic Development Council about 10 years ago. Okay. So we're really kind of two things. So first of all, we are a regional economic development force and regional economic development is super important but it's different than local. What I did at the city of Peoria was worry very much about what was happening inside the city of Peoria and dealt a lot with urban redevelopment, things like warehouse district in downtown and retail development. At the EDC, we don't concern ourselves with that. We, we support it. We think it's important, but we really are focused on the types of businesses where it doesn't really matter where they're physically located inside the region. So Samantha is a great example of the type of company we would want to help. You have a couple hundred employees. You happen to be located in downtown Peoria, but your employees live all over the region and it doesn't really matter where they live or where they work, what address they go to work to. They're living and then they're spending their salaries here in the community. So we work a lot more on that level. We call them intra-regional businesses that are doing business outside of the region that they're in. Uh, And you have clients all over the country and all over the world. And that's exactly what what we're trying to do. So the EDC is kind of two things. One, it's a planning organization, which most people don't think of us as. uh, And in almost every other community in America that has this function, it would be done by a regional planning commission, like our own Tri-County Regional Planning Commission or a council of governments or some other entity that would be in charge of the plan. For the last, I don't know how long, but long before I was here, we've been the planning agency, but we're also the programmatic agency. So we actually are helping to design the plan. It's called the Big Table Comprehensive Economic Development Strategy. You can find it on our website. The plan itself talks very widely about the economy and what needs to happen over a five-year period to make things better. And it involves a lot of things that are not within the jurisdiction or the purview of the programmatic side of GPDC. Sure. So you'll find things in there about tourism and about housing. I like to say everything is economic development, right? You have to have a robust housing market. You have to have an affordable housing market. You have to have good transportation networks. You have to have solid public health, all of these things. So the plan itself is very big and has a lot of partners. But then we, as the programmatic side of the organization, take our cues from parts of the SEDs and then try to implement it along with our partners. So we really have five areas that we've worked. I call it five lines of business or five programs. One is business attraction, which is probably what people think about us the most because that's what they're hoping that we're the most successful at because everybody loves a good ribbon cutting, right? And so we are the marketing arm of the region when it comes to business attraction. Right. We work with our local partners to make that happen, but I have a director of business attraction, Lenora Fisher, who's out there building relationships, not unlike your business development person who might work for your company is out there. Their job is to not be in the office, right? right? Their job is to be having coffees and having lunches and meeting people. So she goes to our trade shows. She goes to make visits in Chicago, really about 
being able to articulate what the assets of the region are to an audience that isn't here so that they can see how they might be yeah. here. That was my biggest insight when I came up with your team was just understanding that we have to market the actual physical inventory, the places and spaces that we have to these businesses. Our right? product is right. the sites and buildings cool. for the most part. But then there's all the other things, the quality of life, the workforce, the transportation yeah. assets. So with everything that GPDC does, we try to think that we are doing things as a collective that are hard to do individually. Yep. And business attraction may be the easiest way to explain that. If you thought for a moment that you're a business at a trade show that is maybe looking to relocate and right. you are in sequential order visited by somebody from Peoria, West Peoria, East Peoria, and Peoria Heights, right? And that's just four of a dozen so odd right. communities, you would be confused. <laughs> Instead, you're visited by one person from Greater Peoria who's representing the whole region right. and right. telling you about the region because these assets are regional assets as well. Our workforce is regional. It's not like you're going to move your company to Peoria and only employ Peorians. So that's really kind of the underlying principle of Greater Peoria EDC is, to, is that regional approach. Right. Well, and I, I want to allow you to get to yeah, two sorry. through five, <laughs> but I do want to acknowledge that the idea of Greater Peoria that we're going to be talking about really started because you guys had such equity in that name, right? And really had worked hard to explain that we are a region. Not just right, one yeah. Year. So I, I kind of joked that the original name is the of the Peoria area, sure. and then we were the Economic Development Council of Central Illinois for right, a long time. Right. And when it kind of got reborn and rebranded, I should say, it right. was the same organization. Rebranded is the greater. That was my predecessor, who and the board at the time, who kind of adopted this name of Greater Peoria because we felt that was really important. They thought that was really important. That Peoria is an important part of the name, you know. And Central Illinois, quite frankly, could be Springfield, could be Bloomington yeah. Normal, Champaign, Decatur. Like it's all Central Illinois. And how many debates did we have about what Greater really means, right? Because right. there's lots of ways to define it, but in the end, I think just the idea that we have this amazing asset throughout the state, you know, the middle of the state. Exactly. And there's lots to do. And they're all of the, that the sum is greater than its individual parts, but that the individual parts are also just really important. Really amazing. And, and that, you know, that's really how we operate is on behalf of the region doing that work. The other areas, one is business assistance, which probably doesn't get nearly as much attention as it should. Sally Hanley is our director of business assistance. And her job and our job in that area is to really help the businesses we already have, because that's actually where most of your job growth comes from. Boeing only relocates its headquarters every once in a while, right? right? right. You know, yeah. these kind of whale hunting that is kind of the old way of thinking about economic development is pretty archaic. What, we, what you really want to do is if you have a really good business assistance program, that will fuel your business attraction. So you will find who are the suppliers, who are the customers of your existing businesses, and then figure out what those assets are, those capabilities are, and find complementary businesses that might want to be alongside that or will be able to take, you know, if you've got really great electricity prices or if you've got a great transportation network or a high-trained workforce, then other companies will see that as well. Absolutely. So business assistance and business attraction go hand in hand. We also do significant work in startup, recognizing it. So with startup, I always make this, and I would do the same, like when it comes to business attraction, like we're not recruiting Trader Joe's. So your listeners shouldn't call me and say, when are we going to get a Trader right, Joe's? Right, That's right. retail. There are localities, there are great companies like Cullinan Properties that are recruiting retail to the region. We also don't visit bars and restaurants. I will put an asterisk around that. During COVID, we did a lot of work with our smaller businesses because that's where the pain was. So we right. kind of became a central repository of information around grants. But on the normal, we don't go and visit these, sure. those types of businesses. That's what local game. On the startup side, we're also not generally helping people who want to open a cupcake shop or a law office, right? We're 
trying to work on those scalable, so the natural fiber welding. Innovative. Right. Innovative, scalable startups. So we've done a lot of work. The Distillery Labs project, which is going to be huge, has really been an effort of my, I was the interim executive director for 18 months. My staff member, Andrew Nui, is our director of innovation and startups, has really worked hard on the programming. So there'll be a transition there as Distillery Labs comes online. Really excited about that. But we think that Peoria can be a center of innovation in the region, in the state, and in and the Midwest. When I said region, I really meant the Midwest. And even the country, we have some really great innovation assets here that we really need to tap into. Yeah. You should be really proud of that distillery lab work. <laughs> I know it's a personal passion for you, but it's exciting for our it downtown. Is. I, it is. You know, and if nothing else, it's a $12 million renovation of, a, <laughs> of an empty building. And I think that's really important right, as well. Right. The other two areas, workforce development, which is increasingly more important and is kind of a job that we created because we recognized over the years how important these workforce issues were. The sites and buildings are always going to be, if you don't have the right site for a business to come to, they're just, they're not going to be able to make it. But the next question is always going to be about your workforce. So it's really understanding what that pipeline is, which is inclusive of getting people to come here, which is why the Choose Greater Peoria is so important. But it's also how are we developing our own talent, getting people past the barriers they may have, getting people the skills they might need, and being able to articulate that to both our existing businesses. So when they grow, they understand what resources are out there, but also being able to articulate that and market that to an external audience that's just going to wonder because they're not opening a factory, for example, that's going to just worrying about day one, they're going to be here for a generation. They need to understand that that pipeline right. is there. Yeah. So ours, we're not a training provider. We're kind of a convener sure. of the system. Okay. And kind of, I sometimes use the phrase, the connective tissue between the employer community and the workforce development system to make sure that they're kind of talking yeah. to each other and aligning those goals. Absolutely. Well, let's circle back to that when we get to the talent attraction okay. piece, because I have more questions. Right. So what's the last, last thing? one? Yep. Last one is kind of a, it's kind of all in one and then altogether different too. GPDC, and I didn't say this at the beginning, we cover five counties, Peoria, Woodford, Taswell, Logan, and Mason counties, right? So almost everybody can knows Pure Woodford and Taswell. Mason is where Havana is and Logan is where Lincoln is. Okay. And so those counties are also within our jurisdiction for uh, really on the planning side, but also programmatically. There's a lot of rural communities, even in Peoria and Woodford and Taswell counties. We have a lot of rural communities who do not have an economic development staff. Right. They may have a mayor. Well, they probably have a mayor <laughs> and they may have some skeleton staff around the, but they, you know, so we employ somebody, Kathy Brown, and since I'm naming all my staff, my director of workforce solutions, he's brand new, Jeffrey Inman, just started. I want to hear about that. Yep. Yep. But so Kathy Brown is our director of rural outreach and development. And her job is to be with those communities and helping them be plugged into the resources that are available. And that takes a wide range. Of, you know, she's helping on all, she was with the city of Hannah. She was with Hannah City the other day about park development. Two areas that she's really focused on lately, one has been broadband expansion because there's some really amazing opportunities through the federal and state government around rural broadband connectivity, but it takes somebody to actually be on the ground planning it. And these little hamlets and villages and our county boards, they don't have the capacity to understand all of the policy decisions that are and opportunities that are out there. So Kathy's been working really, really hard, especially in Mason County and Peoria County. But we even just yesterday, we had a conversation with Taswell yeah. about it. And then also coal transition. We have three coal fire power plants in our region and a fourth in the adjacent Fulton County 
Three of them are closed and one will close. And there's an economic impact to that. But also in the recognition of the economic impact, there's monies available through what's called CJA, which is the Climate Energy Jobs Act from the state, and then energy transition dollars from the federal government. So we've really been trying to work with our communities to help them access those things. Well, again, when I met with you, I think that that rural piece of what you do is so important. The next iteration of the Choose Greater campaign we've been talking about is sort of the Asterisk campaign. And one of the ideas behind it is this idea that Peoria sometimes is positioned as a little star among big stars, right? We always talk about how we are positioned between Chicago and St. Mm-hmm. Louis and that sort of thing. But we're also a big star made up of a lot of little stars. And those rural communities, you know, really inform the whole story of who we are as a region. And that's why people want to come here too, because they want those kinds of experiences in addition to the city life. Yeah. You know, our rural communities are are amazing and they're a vital part, which is one of the reasons that we need to have adequate broadband connection because nobody's going to move to a community where you can't stream right. Netflix. At exactly. night, right? It's just not, I mean, it's just not the way people are literally wired or figuratively <laughs> wired anymore. But yeah, you know, I, I say about Peoria, and I've said this before, is that one of the beauties of Peoria, and as somebody who's moved from Los Angeles to Chicago to Denver to Peoria, right? Every place had better traffic than the place I left, but everybody still complained about the same amount. Even in Peoria, you find people complaining about traffic, but everything's 15, 20 minutes away from each other, everything else. Right. But what's really, I think, as an asset to a community is that no matter what, there's so much diversity of opportunity of where to live because of the proximity that you can almost choose any type of lifestyle. You want to live in an urban loft? Do you want to live in a renovated farmhouse or an unrenovated farmhouse? Whatever you choose, you're only 20 minutes away from everything you didn't choose. And there's a real awesomeness. So Elmwood, a wonderful community, right? 35-ish. It's a little past the 20 minutes, but it's still, it's a wonderful community. I think of Eureka and Tremont. Some of our larger outlying cities like Washington, yeah. Pekin, such a great town Pekin so much is. To offer, and yeah. so much to offer. And it allows us some diversity. You know, if I was, my daughter goes to Loyola, Chicago. And every time I'm there, and I love Chicago, and I love visiting Chicago. But if I wanted to see corn, <laughs> it would take me an hour and a half probably to get to the closest cornfield. Right. If I wanted to see corn from where we're sitting right now, probably get to it in five minutes. Right, right. You know, so the opportunity is there. You're not just stuck in traffic yeah. waiting to get to your... I love how you talk about to, that. It took me a half hour to get six blocks in Chicago the other day. Uh, it was boiling yeah, mad I know. by the time. <laughs> My mom and sister still live up there, so I go up there a lot, yeah. but I, it makes me appreciate where we live so much. Well, that was an awesome overview of everything that your organization does. And I want to transition to the Choose Greater initiative here shortly. But before we do, help our listeners understand how you work with the Peoria Chamber of Commerce, Discover Peoria, some of these other organizations, and how each has a very different purpose and very important work to do for our region. Yeah. You know, I often will say that and this is both an asset and a liability to, to GPDC, is that we're never likely to win the best lead actor in anything, but I hope we're always nominated for best supporting actor, sure. right? Because almost everything we do is in partnership with someone else. Okay. So we have some really great partners and you named some of them, right? So the Peoria Area Chamber, but really all of our regional chambers. So we work very closely with Morton and East Peoria and Pekin and some of the smaller chambers are important. They're more of the local business. They'll have memberships that are like with CEFQ or Caterpillar will be members, obviously, of those. But they're really about member-to-member services. Okay. Advocacy. Right. Oftentimes, your chambers are going to be advocating for policies or or against policies and member education, right? So that's really the kind of... And, and they'll have lots and lots of small businesses who are members from a one-person 
up to a caterpillar. So they play a really important role in that. And the Peoria Area Chamber of Commerce also has the CEO Council, which is super important because right. it's really leveraging the investment of some of our larger companies to make more profound impacts on certain areas. So Samantha was very involved with this. Then it was called the CEO Roundtable, took up the Better Block campaign. Right, and, right. Build you know, a block. Build a block. <laughs> better, yeah, sorry, build a block campaign. And it was the CEO Roundtable, which was then a part of the Peoria Chamber of Commerce and the Heartland Partnership at the time, that really drove that campaign. Absolutely. So doing those special projects is really, really important. Okay. The Convention and Visitors Bureau, or Discover Peoria, handles the visitor economy. Again, that's everything from sports tourism to conventions. And that visitor economy is super important. It brings in lots of people and lots of dollars to our region. Within our SEDs, we recognize the importance of that visitor economy, but we leave that work to the JD and the folks that discover Peoria, right. but then support them when they need it. And we, we try to work together. We have other great partners. Tri-County Regional Planning Commission does a lot of work around transportation planning and environmental planning. All of our partners in the workforce side of things, whether that's the school districts, Illinois Central College, which is just an amazing resource that I don't think people, and I never really recognized how important they were, Bradley and Eureka, our trades, especially the construction trades and the training that the unions provide, our social service agencies. So we're always in partnership with somebody, probably not a day goes by or a week goes by at least that I aren't, I'm not in a meeting with somebody else and we're working on a problem together. Right. So it's messy. And from the outside, I think it can seem really messy. <laughs> but you but know it, how it works because you're we in know it how every it works. Day. And it I would say it's coordinated. And Joshua and I were on a radio interview once and and I think I said, yes, there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but there's a big meal to prepare. Sure. Absolutely. And we all kind of know our part in the kitchen. And you can go into a kitchen of a big restaurant and it might look like chaos. But it all kind of comes together at yeah. the end. And I think we all kind of understand our roles to play. Right. It can be confusing from the outside because it feels like maybe there's too many people doing, feels like doing the same thing. But we all kind of have our lanes that we're working in. Right. But recognize that we bump up against each other and we'll just build really good partnerships yeah. to work together. Well, I'm glad you use the word lanes because I know that's language we've been using even as the Greater Peoria Leadership Council got stood up and there were questions out of the gate. Are we building yet another entity? Is it another silo? How are we all going to work together? And certainly I'm the first to admit we're still figuring it out, right? But we've been trying to get clearer on that. And one of the things I was hoping you could speak about, Chris, is part of the idea behind the Greater Peoria Leadership Council was some of the CEOs of the largest employers in the region sort of taking a look in the mirror and saying, you know, we have some accountability to help drive strategic priorities. Many of those folks were already sitting on the boards of your organization, the chamber otherwise. And you and I were talking a little bit before we started here. The hope was that there was at least more connectivity and collaboration at that level than maybe there had been before. So I was hoping you could speak a little bit to if you've seen any of that, if there's new alignment, or at least if nothing else, more conversation. I think there's a lot more conversation. I think that's positive. And I, I always try to remind myself and others that we're, this is still a pretty young oh, totally. initiative, especially the operational part of it, of the We've Choose Greater May Peoria, 1. May 1, right? And we've been talking about it for longer than that. But what I love to see is the alignment between our organizations yeah. and our companies, right? Rivals, OSF and Carl, right. working together on this, Absolutely. you know, and they both have roles on my board too. So it's not like they were pitched arms before, sure. but, but I really think that it's been a recognition that there's something that's important that needs to be done that's maybe outside of the realm of, of the organizations that are already doing it. And seeing the level of investment of both our philanthropic community, obviously with the Gilmore Foundation and our corporate community has been really refreshing and not surprising when 
asked they have risen to the occasion before. Whatever the mechanism is to ensure that the investment that they're making is properly stewarded and people are held accountable for is immaterial to me. I am confident in the work that GPDC does, and I'm confident in the confidence that my board has in me and my staff to execute it. But I also recognize that there are areas of growth and evolution, as there have been for the 18 years that I've been involved in economic development. I've seen a couple of different versions, and that's okay. We are human beings, and we'll change, and we'll adapt. And so, but what I'm happy about, and what I what gives me hope and confidence is that engagement. And sometimes it takes a new structure or a different structure. And I'm not scared of it or worried right, about it right. because I'm confident in, in the results of my organization and what we're doing. And I think my colleagues would say the same thing. And so it's great to see that level of engagement. And I think the alignment will come. And I'm not suggesting the alignment isn't there. Right. I don't know that there's been a lot because we've all been focused on the Choose Greater Peoria campaign. I think we're all all in on that. So that's what's really exciting is to see that take off and to see the the shared work of all of our organizations. Our boards have given up, my board, and I know the other boards have given clear direction. This is important to the region, whether that's because my board member is also your board member, but they all recognize the importance of this one campaign and moving it forward. Awesome. Well, we had Laura Cullinan on before you, and we were reflecting back on how talent attraction was identified as the number one priority out of the gate, along with the Peoria brand and the positive Peoria message. And so thinking about what you were talking earlier regarding workforce development and how these two things dovetail together, I know you were heavily involved too in GP2030, which was the impetus of all of this, Mm -hmm. working with many partners on that effort. So I guess I was just hoping you could talk about your experience on where talent attraction fits and how workforce development fits in. And you mentioned ICC and Dr. Quirk Bailey. I'd love to know a little bit how she's been working with you and yeah, championing well, So you can't just be one thing, right? And you can't just have one source of talent. We need to have a robust talent pipeline that develops our own talent in the region. But we also have to recognize that not every job is going to be filled by somebody who already lives here. We have more doctors and nurses openings than we will ever produce doctors and nurses. And we need to always be attracting outsiders to our community because we know we're going to have people leave for all sorts. I left Los Angeles and I left Chicago and I left Denver. People are going to move around for opportunities or circumstance. And so it's always important to be, no one's ever satisfied. So we know we've got enough people, right? right? You know, so we always want to have that outward look, but we also have to make sure that we're giving opportunities to the people that live here to take advantage of the jobs that are here. And so if you were to look at the our comprehensive economic development strategy in the second goal area around workforce, there's four strategies. One of them is talent attraction, recognizing you always have to have that open door. And But you can't wait. We don't have the sort of community that people are just going to maybe show up at, right? Right, right? People might say, oh, I've always wanted to live in Miami sure. because they've heard of Miami, <laughs> right? So you have to be assertive and you have to be aggressive about it and, and put yourself out there, which was what we're doing. But then the other three strategies, one is a career pathways, right? You have to have a way to start sharing with youth the opportunities that are there for them in their career. So that starts early. The Career Spark is a, a hands-on career expo for every eighth grader in the region is invited to this at the Civic Center, 400 volunteers, 4,000 kids come through that. And it's amazing. And it's not to tell kids what 
to figure out there when they're 12 or 13 or however old you are when you're in eighth grade, what you're going to be when you grow up, but then explore opportunities that maybe you didn't even know were available. Right. And in a way that isn't just your dad coming to the class to talk about what it's like to be a lawyer or a firefighter or your mom talking about being a police officer or whatever that take your dad to school day, career day was, very hands-on. And it starts there. But then our high schools, how are we giving kids options now to graduate and be duly enrolled? My daughter, when she was 16, got her certified nurse's assistant license and now is in nursing school, right? She was one of the first kids to go through CareerSpark. So you can kind of see the progression, right, of, of these things happening. So career pathways, super important is to explain to kids what future they might have here in the region. Like we're not showing astrophysicists because we don't have a big astrophysicist industry here in Peoria, but we are showing manufacturing, agriculture, healthcare, communications. Great. The second is upskilling, right? How are we making sure people have the skills that they need? Maybe they're unemployed or underemployed. So this is really where our education institutions come in, our higher education institutions, ICC being primary among them regarding credentialed work like welding and certified nursing and things like that. But are other four-year institutions just as important and making sure that happened. And then the last is recognizing that there are people who have barriers to employment that are not training related. They are environmentally related. They are personality related. They are other sorts of issues that need to get knocked down. And it may not be our job to knock them down, but it may be our job to recognize them and then work with our partners to knock them down. So that is everything from healthy eating and active living. Because if, if you're not well, you're not going to be employable or consistently employable. Stable housing, reliable transportation, childcare is a big issue that we have. We're in this time where there's so much job opportunity, but we still have a lot of people who aren't working. Right. But they aren't working for reasons. And they aren't working just because, you know, and I hate people saying, well, they're just lazy. They don't want to get a job. That is absolutely not. There's mental health issues. There's substance abuse issues. There's economic resiliency issues. There's so many different issues with our impoverished communities that we really need to lift up and take care of. So that's really when we talk about a workforce system, you need to be doing all of those things well. Sure. You need to be attracting people, but you need to be training people that are here as well. So that's what the Regional Workforce Alliance and others are trying to be strategic about in planning. Okay, cool. And you mentioned Jeffrey Inman, a new person on your team. Will he be handling the programming in all of these areas? Well, he'll freak out if I say he's handling the program. (laughs) His job, our job is to really be the strategic partner and make sure that these things are being aligned. So the Regional Workforce Alliance, which is actually a program of the Peoria CEO Council, is actually going to be administered by GPEC. So as we work through these issues, it's going to be his job to kind of herd the cats. Sure. We'll call it like that. It's a tough job because, and I said to him during the interview and subsequently to that, is that it's tough to kind of be accountable to outcomes, but you actually have no authority over these people, right? So he can't actually tell ICC what to do or Tri-County Urban League what to do or the Peoria Public Schools, right? So there's only so much he can do, you know, so that's, that's really hard. And partnership work is great because you get to rely on the strengths of your partners, but you're actually not their bosses. So you have to rely on them to, you know, and leverage your influence. Right. And leverage your influence. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's great that you have so many irons in the fire. I wanted to talk a little bit about how talent attraction and business attraction work together. This is a conversation that I've had at length with Joshua Gunn. I know he's a, a vocal champion for if you have talent here, business will come. And I just wonder if you had a philosophy on that. Yeah. 
I, well, I would agree. But I think that the message that we're telling people who don't live here is the same message, quite frankly, that we're telling businesses that aren't here. And so I think that we're really excited about the messaging behind Choose Greater Peoria because we can repurpose it for our own and hopefully vice versa, right? That right. Some of the information that we develop around our region is stuff that the Choose Greater Peoria will use because it's really about your assets and being able to describe your community. And individual decisions about where to live are not too far removed from a business person's decision. Right. And when all is said and done, and obviously if you don't have the right site, it doesn't matter, right? If you don't have a house for the person to buy, you know, the company to buy, they're not going to buy one. And if you don't have the land for them to build that house on, they're also not going to do it, right? So that's first and foremost. And you have to have that workforce that they envision that they'll, if they're making an investment here, that they're going to have people to show up on day one and then on day 2001 for the job. And you have to have a business-friendly environment and all the other things that are in play. But ultimately, the people who are making a decision about where their company is going to be are also making a decision about where they are going to be. Is their spouse, are their kids going to be happy there? So the quality of life that we are exposing or celebrating, I should say, through Choose Greater Peoria is absolutely key to be able to tell that message that do you envision yourself CEO or new plant manager or whomever in this community and what are the questions you have? Right. And we see this from executive recruitment, right? The, the person's really excited about the job. They're ready to go. They're re- ready to jump right in because they're excited about the job, but they have a wife or a husband or an older kid or a, well, whomever. Like, right. wait a minute, I don't want to go. Th- what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's what's really important. Absolutely. I think those two areas, there's, there's a really great overlap between yeah. them. I give you a lot of credit. This initiative started with executive talent attraction, but every stage of the way we keep widening the funnel and saying, you know what, this message really applies to everyone. And you said that out of the gate. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I agree. I think the affordability issue of Peoria is really less about executive talent, sure. right? Because if you're going to be the CFO of a company, how much your housing costs may or may not be. Right. There are other things about Peoria that we would hope, but it's affordability may be less on your list. But when you kind of widen that view out to nurses and middle management and engineers and some of those others, where it does make a difference, how much you're paying for your house. So that's been a good evolution, even of this, right? From the first time we started talking about this. Yeah, we just keep widening the funnel. Yeah, because the the message is the same, Yeah. right? You know, I, I understand there's... Yeah. The nuances of of digital marketing are, you know, it's easy for me to say, yeah, it's the same message for everybody. <laughs> I recognize that's not the truth. The tactics might be different, but the overall message is really the same about yeah. how great of places is to live. Oh, that's such a good thing to hear because we want this to be a long-term endeavor. And like you said, thank you for acknowledging we're just getting out of the yeah. gate. But what's exciting is I think we have 25 businesses engaged now and there is long-term funding. And so hopefully this movement continues. So many people in Peoria have been advocating, right? And being ambassadors and you're one of them and you're always so positive. And I think that's sort of one of my last questions for you on this specific topic is just, what do you say when you hear that negative sentiment? You have such a way of just gently jumping into the conversation. Sometimes not so gently. It kind of depends on my mood at the moment. Right. I would say, I joke, I pick out one troll on Facebook usually once a week. It just, sure. you know, I recognize, so I am fully cognizant that I am paid to love Peoria, right? Right. I've said this before. And I recognize that when I'm out there as a booster, that people say, well, yeah, you're the director of economic development. You can't be down on your city. I will tell you that I genuinely love it. My wife has her PhD. I have a master's degree. And this is not me just like, I hope not coming off at air. We could have moved if we wanted to, right? We not only chose Peoria, 
right. 20 years ago, we continued to choose Peoria because we had options if we wanted them. And so, yes, I have got a job that allows me to be a booster for this region, but it comes with some real authenticity from me in loving it. And I've also been other places. And I think sometimes the people who are complaining the loudest maybe haven't had a chance to experience other communities that have almost identical problems, right? Potholes exist outside of (laughs) the Midwest and outside of Peoria, right? Crime exists elsewhere. Poverty exists elsewhere. And there is not naivete when I say that Peoria is great. I recognize that Peoria and greater Peoria have some significant issues. America has significant issues, right? What I'm proud of is that people recognize that these issues are out there and are trying to do something about it. Absolutely. With best of intentions, maybe not the best execution. We fail all the time. We are not farther along than we should be in a lot of areas. Not for lack of trying. Right. These are, Dr. Karat would call them wicked problems, which is like a sociological term. These are not easily, you know, generational poverty and racial inequities are generational issues that aren't going to be solved overnight. So what I try to do the best I can is just point out these things, right? Mm-hmm. So when somebody, what bothers me the most, what maybe irks me more than anything else is when somebody says, hey, I'm moving to Peoria. Or I'm thinking of moving to Peoria or wherever in the region. I'm looking for some advice. And then the first five comments are people say, don't move. Why would you move here? <laughs> now, I don't understand even the self-interest of somebody saying that I don't think you should come here and help me make this place better. And I read a book once that said that there's three kinds of folks. There's people who choose your community. There's people who are stuck in your community. And then there are people who are rooted in your community. And sometimes the people that are stuck is because they don't feel like they have options. And so they just kind of beat against it in a sort of a self-defeating way, but it is probably more psychological than, than we recognize. So you really have to, the people who are rooted here. And so I chose here, but now I kind of feel like I'm rooted here. Those are the folks that we really have to tap into and we need to get more positive voices than negative voices because the environment we live in, the way that social media works, it's always going to be a platform for people to be haters and to say negative things and you're never going to drown them all out. What I try to attack whenever I choose to kind of weigh in and it's sport sometimes (laughs) for me is combating misinformation. You're entitled to your own opinions, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Right, right. And that's where, at least I, when I'm trying to combat something that I see, that's where I hope to yeah. Hope to be. Well, it could be confirmation bias given how close I am to this initiative, <laughs> but it is starting to feel like that positivity is taking hold, even if it's only a few percentage points. And I hope that that continues right. over time. Okay. Well, is there anything you want to add about Choose Greater Peoria before I transition to you, Chris? Uh, no, I am eternally grateful for the generosity of this community. You know, I'm on a, I've been on a number of boards, charitable boards, other civic initiatives. I am always surprised at the next level of generosity that we see in our community. That happens certainly at the corporate level. And I think Choose Greater Peoria is a great example of that. But in the individual level and the amount of giving that people do to this community, I'm the chairman of the board of the Community Foundation of Central Illinois. Absolutely. You know, one of the largest community foundations in Illinois and outside of the Chicago area, the largest. And we are blessed by our donors, right? We have one of the best United Ways. Jennifer Zamuto would say she's not supposed to compare herself to other. We have the, one of the best United Ways <laughs> and the best funded United Ways in America right. here in Peoria. And that's because of the generosity of our people. And I think Choose Greater Peoria is a symbol of that, yeah. of people wanting to lean in. And, and in this case, corporations and our philanthropic partners wanting to lean into something that will make us all better. I love that. And so many people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Right. So that's a very important message. 
Okay, well, let's turn to you. Like I said, I really appreciate getting to know you. One of the things I've loved about listening to you over several discussions now, Chris, is how much you highlight your team. And I know you believe in your people and think the world of them. So talk about your leadership philosophy. What are some of your day-to-day sort of core beliefs or lessons learned that you sort of live by? Yeah. So I tell my staff, and especially as they come on, I had mentioned Henry Holling before. So Henry was the interim city manager of Peoria twice and uh, had been a Caterpillar executive. Sure. Great guy. And I learned a lot from him. But one of the things that he shared with me is, is like this three-page essay that was written in like 1898 called A Letter to Garcia. But the basics behind this is we need something done. And they needed a, this message to delivered to a guy named Garcia, who this like the Cuban-American War, the Spanish-American War. And how are we going to do this? And the other guy says, I know a guy who can do it. He's not going to ask you any questions. He's not going to say, why me? He's just going to do it. And that guy's name is Rowan. And I took that to heart and said, I want to be the guy that everybody asks, can you do this? Okay. Or do you know somebody who can do it at yeah, least? Yeah. And I don't know if I've reached that, <laughs> that point, <laughs> but that's kind of been the organizing principle of my own personal sure. development is to be the person who people can rely on. And okay. that's really what I've tried to imbue in the organization is that we want, and that, that becomes difficult, right? Because if you're not known for anything, but you're just kind of known for always being there, that can be hard when it comes to fundraising, right? Like what are your success? If all of your successes are shared successes with others, people might question whether you were necessary to that or not when you were just an ingredient in the sure. overall dish. But that's really, when I talk to my staff, it's really about how are we going that extra mile? How are we there when People need us and people call on us because they think not that we will be able to solve the problem, but know how the problem might get solved. And and so that's where the importance of leveraging our relationships has been is building strong partnerships so that like when COVID happened and again, this organization that is largely working with large companies or larger companies professes that it doesn't work with bars and restaurants because that's a local game and we don't want to disproportionately represent Peoria or East Peoria or anything like that, right? When COVID happens and there's all of the real pain, economic pain is at the very local level. We just said, all right, what can we do? And we leveraged all our relationships with all of our chambers of commerce to get a steady stream of information through them to their members right? and became kind of a repository of information. And people just kind of counted on us to do that. And that is built up through that ethos of we want to be there when you need us. Yes, and absolutely. So that that's kind of, uh, if I have a... Uh, a leadership philosophy. I think that's it. <laughs> I think that does sum it up. And I love your team. They're all so smart. Um, and you and told- I didn't mention since I'm calling a, I, you know, uh, uh, the, the, our front of house people, sure. Lenora, Andrew, Sally, Kathy, and now Jeffrey right. are the people that people get to see. But David, who does our marketing and communications and Melissa, who actually nobody, you know, Actually, she's our office manager. She actually makes things. Right. <laughs> she makes it so that the rest of us could. You have, have yes. an office manager. Yes. You know how important that yes. person is. They don't Absolutely. get any of the love. So really the whole staff. And then we have contractors that work with us through grants and things like that, that manage our manufacturing network, that help us with our work on defense contracts and all the other partners that we have. It's been, it's yeah. a great team. What are you most proud of besides your team? <sighs> Well, I'm proud that my wife and I have raised two kids, two daughters who are kind and generous and are making their way in the world. I so see pictures all I, the time. Yeah, we are very proud of them. <laughs> so Kate just graduated from college and Elizabeth is a sophomore in college. And both of them have their struggles, like but have their passions. Do. But, you know, I think of the things I'm most proud of, it's them. 
you know, and the impact that they're going to make on the world, right? They are our legacy as parents to the rest of the world. And so I think that's what I'm most proud of. That's amazing. I love that. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Symantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to symantle.com slash blog for more content. You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. Well, I'm going to end with just one last leadership question, and it's something I ask everyone. What's something you're struggling with right now that's a question you have you want to put out in the world? (laughs) Bandwidth. Like, (laughs) you know, I I think maybe a side effect of always wanting to be the person that people turn to to, for help. The side effect of that is trying to figure out what your priorities are and how to kind of get through the day. So at the moment, it's just like, how much more can we as an organization, and this isn't just, I mean, I love my staff. They are the hardest working people in Peoria. I get emails from them at at all times of the day and the night. And And I get emails from you late at night sometimes. (laughs) Well, sometimes it's not until the evening that I can actually get to the email part. So I'm actually glad that my kids are grown and out of the house. It allows me more more time to work. But I think for us is being able to discern where we will make the most impact because you don't want to tell anybody no and you don't want to pass up on opportunities. And we're living in a time, especially when it comes to government funding from the state and the federal government, that there's lots of opportunities. And I kind of feel like it's our job to chase them all. And so discernment, I think, is the real struggle at the moment is to figure out what we're best at and be okay with saying, I think we can pass on that. And hoping that somebody isn't disappointed that we did. (laughs) I have the same problem as a business owner. We call it the problem of opportunity, right? Right. Everything is a trade-off. But I would hope that we can continue to work together on that for Choose Greater because there is so much good we could be doing. It's choosing the right things at the right time. And I've appreciated your guidance and your advice and just getting to know you, Chris. Thanks so much. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marketing Sweats. In season eight, I'm sitting down with leaders from Peoria area businesses and civic organizations to talk about the huge collaborative effort underway to raise up our community called Choose Greater Peoria. We're all joining forces like never before to promote the place we call home, where you can work greater, live greater, and play greater. That's the Greater Peoria Advantage. To learn more about this movement, visit choosegreaterpeoria.org. And if you like this episode, you can hear more at our website, marketingsweats.com, or any of the major podcast listening platforms. You'll find over 70 episodes with guests like marketers, business consultants and leaders, personal and professional development coaches and authors covering a range of topics like B2B marketing, CX, brand building, data, tech, and more. That's a wrap for today. Keep up the good work, friends, and we'll chat soon.